You are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Tracy. Tracy is an artist and healer. Trigger warning, this episode may discuss suicide and possession. We'll be right back with Tracy, but first let's talk about the full moon. So I was feeling really off yesterday. Just sometimes it's like your brain is a little scrambled and I felt disconnected and I I've been doing really well with my depression lately, and I thought, nope, this feels like depression. Just felt low. And I called up my boyfriend, and he said, I'm feeling really off today. And I said, so am I. And he said, well, it's a full moon. Mm -hmm. And my mom worked for mental health for years and years, and she was like, around the full moon, everybody is completely off their rockers more than usual. Mm-hmm. And she had, you know, there's, there was, had been some study done in the eighties that talked about that, it, that it looked at doctors and nurses and um, healthcare professionals around the full moon. There was evidence that there, there was a lot that happened at that time. Um, there were higher incidences of all sorts of stuff. It's true. Yeah. And so I looked it up and it was interesting. I could, I, all I could find were articles that said that that had been debunked. Uh-huh. And um, from Berkeley Wellness, the mood, moon mood connection. And I'll just read this. The idea that a full moon is connected with lunacy, violence, aggression, sleepwalking, and general craziness is probably as old as language, but is born anew with every generation. In fact, lunacy The term comes from the Latin word luna, meaning moon. A full moon is also supposed to send pregnant women into labor and make nursing home residents more agitated. According to ancient philosophers, the moon affects human behavior and its health by its gravitational pull on bodily fluids. Scientists have investigated these and other lunar notions and repeatedly debunked them. They've been unable to substantiate any links between phases of the moon and bizarre murderous or suicidal behavior, various medical conditions, or birth rates. As astronomers and physicists will tell you, the gravitational pull of the moon on humans is virtually nil. The moon influences tides in large bodies of water, but not water in our bodies. It seems, however, as if some of these researchers may have done their studies under the influence of a full moon. For instance, a paper published in the Journal of Emergency Medicine back in 1987 claimed to find 80% of randomly selected nurses and 64% of doctors in emergencies in unnamed hospitals believe that lunar cycles affected mental health. The paper also noted 92% of these nurses said that they should be paid extra lunar pay differentials during a full moon. It is probably safe to assume that the author's tongue was firmly in his cheek when he wrote this. Even so, those statistics were prominently cited in a new study in the journal's General Hospital Psychiatry. It looked for correlations between phases of the moon and psychological problems, such as panic attacks, anxiety, or mood disorders, and suicidal thoughts, by examining records from the emergency rooms of two major Canadian hospitals. Once again, the researchers found no lunar connections. They warned healthcare professionals to abandon unfounded beliefs about the moon's effect on their patients, which could become self-fulfilling prophecies. So I found this interesting just because I've grown up under the notion that the moon affects our moods. Mm -hmm. I also looked up menstrual cycle and the moon, 
And again, they said there's no particular evidence to show that women cycle with the moon. There's a small percent of the population that does, but that in general, there's not a specific effect. And they cite chimpanzees being our closest relative and only 30, they have 35 day cycle, which does not cycle with the moon, Mm -hmm. but that there are animals that do cycle with the moon. So I just bring this up because I always have this unease with scientific studies in a certain way in that one day eggs are bad for you and, you know, raise your levels of cholesterol. And then it seems like two weeks later, there's a study that says they don't affect you at all and they're good for you and you should eat them. (laughs) And I feel like science, I, on the one hand, I'm very rational and I'm interested in science and I like to read scientific studies. And on the other hand, I do feel like you can prove just about anything you want to, depending on how you set up your study and who you ask. Mm-hmm. and who you study and how you study it. And if you have a, an intention of debunking something, you can debunk it no matter, you can just set up the study to do that. And it depends on who funds it and why they fund it. And so I'm a little skeptical of science, but at the same time, skeptical of a lot of our, our more inherited ideas about things. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I, I tend to feel that I've come to the belief that it doesn't matter if it's scientific truth, or if it's your intuition, that life isn't about knowing the answers. Mm-hmm. You know, Dan and I have talked a lot about going to the doctor and the answer is, well, we don't really know, but why don't you try this? This works for some people. And, you know, that, 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 that approach, if that works for you, that's wonderful. And if you find something that works for you, great. But we're just trying to come up with tools to get through life. I found when I wasn't feeling well that going to shiatsu was the thing that really helped my emotional state. Was that because I had a belief in it or because it's scientifically provable? Does it matter? I guess that's the ultimate thing. It's like, I don't think we're going to find truth. I don't think we're going to find the right answer to everything in life. And I'm not saying that science doesn't matter. Science is wonderful. And I, 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 like I said, I love reading anything scientific, any study that's been done. It's interesting to me. But to have it as a guidepost for how I do everything in my life, I think is no more rational than having it be a belief in the moon and lunacy. Mm-hmm. I think they're on equal weight in my world. Those cycles up and down in mood to just allow them to happen. And if they correlate with the moon for you, beautiful. Mm-hmm. If that's a good explanation for it, all the better. I just want to say today we have with us in the studio Tracy. Tracy is an artist and healer. Again, a trigger warning, this episode may discuss suicide and possession. Hello, Tracy. Welcome to the Depression Session. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me on here today and allowing me to share my story. So, thanks so much for coming. Uh, and I wanted to say I, I'm a healthcare provider and I worked in a... Um, one of my first ends in that field was working in an assisted living facility during the night shift mm. and uh, full moons. Definitely. We got more calls, like weird things would happen with fire alarms going off and couldn't get them to shut off. Like every full moon, we kind of expected that. Right. And, and it's anecdotal evidence, but the fact that so many healthcare professionals have that and mental health care professionals have that experience. I, Oh, no. Yeah. I, I give it as much credence as all the debunking scientific journals. Right. <laughs> so what's new with you? What do you want to share with us today? Um, I just wanted to share my own personal journey of dealing with um, mood swings and depression and how it all kind of came to like a, a finalized point where I had to like turn my life around and make radical changes in order just to 
you know, otherwise I'd probably be dead if I hadn't had made that life choice to radically change how I was living and how I was interacting with, you know, the mystery, I guess we could say that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're an artist. I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. What what are you doing artistically these days? What what floats your boat? Um, Thank you for asking. I am just working on some projects at home. I did an illustration project for a lady in Sedona that lasted about four years, uh, doing a a deck of cards uh, based on fairies and Reiki and her website is a celestial moon.com and you can see that deck there and all the other um, musings she does and shares. So you actually made the designs for each card. Yeah, it was oh a, my gosh, it was that's like, a huge project. It's a big project. Yeah. Beautiful. And I'm grateful. But after the project, you know, I was like, oh, I just kind of want to pursue my own thing. I'm, I'm glad to do fairies. But, you know, I'm also in the fine arts world and I wanted to, you know, do some fine art paintings. And yeah. so I'm working on doing a new body of work. Cool. And I have uh, some pieces in um, races, races Teller mm-hmm. right now, which was um, a great opening. I was really impressed with the turnout and all the people there. Yeah. So I'm excited. Very cool. Very Uh cool. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah. I'm always interested. So Tracy, tell us the story of your depression. Well, I'm going to integrate some mystery there and also some astrology. And I'm getting a little bit more of a critical thinker myself as I get older. And there's a lot of time and space between these incidences. So there's more time for reflection reflection, and questioning the mystery myself these days, never abandoning my faith fully, but I do feel like now that I'm older and I'm more grounded and more into not having out-of-body experiences or doing drugs to step out of my body, you know, I do you know, question some things that happened in my past, but part of my study was astrology and going into different faiths and studying studying different mysteries so i'm going to include that and um i'll just do a brief synopsis when it started my depression and first of all i'm a scorpio rising astrologically so scorpio risings already have a dualistic kind of way of seeing things and they're they're noted for either choosing the high road and the low road Mm -hmm. so this is my low road story Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um astrologically i've had some people look at my charts my birth charts some astrologers and at the age of 13 through the age of 28 i went through a period called the rahu period um, like every 20 years or so, everyone's influenced by a different planet. Like right now, I think I'm in a Jupiter, which is a much easier, kind of more spiritual hmm. uh, way of viewing the world. But Rahu um, in Hindu mythology, he was a demon. And Vishnu was lining up all the gods and was uh, going to give them the gift of immortality. So the story goes something like he was churning nectar from the ocean uh, the demons uh, Ketu and Rahu somehow got in the lineup and like tricked the other gods but one of the gods detected them and pointed them out pointed Rahu he's not supposed to be here he's a demon don't make him immortal right when he got his head chopped off by I think it was Vishnu or something like that the story may be a little bit wrong but it's kind of along these lines he had tasted the nectar so he became immortal he became part of the lineup and he's in everyone's astrology at some point in their lives mm-hmm. and the mood of rahu is um it's kind of like sex drugs and rock and roll and it's depression it's mood imbalances and rage anger and 
I'm 13 with hormones. And then I had someone tell me, oh yeah, you ran a Rahu from 13 to 18. I was like, oh wow, that makes so much sense. Because it's like 13, I started in with sex, drugs, rock and roll. That's when I turned it to metal and like started listening to dark metal in my room at night alone and reading Stephen King horror novels and was really into doing, got involved in some occult practices, which I think caused problems for me a little bit later. So that's kind of when I all started. I had a lot of fits of rage where I blacked out. So I, I do feel like I did some occult. I was playing the Ouija boards and casting spells and buying spell books and yeah, just probably doing things I didn't really know about. And it was already kind of in the dark mode of listening to metal and getting into horror and like kind of seeing things around me and feeling weird things. And I had some blackout rage fits that came out of nowhere when I got upset. My mom would just like back away and let me do my thing because it was uncontrolled. Mm. And so that's when I feel like there was some possession going on, like start starting at that time period, just because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, it, I guess it came to a peak where it was, you know, a lot of melancholy, depression. My parents were divorced too. And so my, I was a lucky kid, you know, I just kind of did my thing. Everyone just wanted me to stay out of trouble, but no one was really actively involved. So I kind of went off on my own things and didn't do my homework and went to concerts with friends. And I, I really didn't do drugs back then, which was really good because I already felt like I was on drugs. So I just had a lot of time just to kind of go off on my own without a lot of guidance, which was kind of a problem too. But uh, at 16, I got mad at my boyfriend, we had a conversation and I blacked out and like probably a couple minutes later I woke up and I had slit my wrist, mm. you know? So that's like the first cue for me. There's like some possession, maybe something going on there. I just freaked out. I freaked my mom out, we went to the hospital. It was like a whole thing. I got stitches and I was just, I really thought I was going to die. I was really scared and I didn't intend to do that. Like it was a surprise to me as much as it was everyone else. So I had to go through some therapy. They tried to put me in a mental institution and they put me on Prozac for like a week and I felt like I was sleeping. And so I was like, no, no, no Prozac. I'm sorry if I messed up like this, it's the result of the product of the world. Everyone's gonna have to deal with it. So luckily at a young age, I refused medication and just and in some ways it would have been good to sedate me because I was on a, a roller coaster for many years. And in that way, it probably would have kept me away from some tangents that I, some dark holes I've been down. But at the same time, everyone has their own path. And the final turning point was, um, you know, after years of just uh, going through um, just mood swings. I mean, I had lots of friends. I had some good times for sure. It wasn't all like gloom and doom and uh, slitting the wrist kind of turned things around. I, I, so I ended up going to, I didn't do well. I didn't do anything in high school. I just went to concerts. I did my own thing. I somehow just passed and graduated and um, graduated like the lowest quarter of a class of 2000. And all my friends went away to school and I was like, oh man, what am I, what am I going to do? You know, I couldn't get into any schools really. And so I put myself through community college and where I, where I, did, I got attention from English teachers and art teachers in high school, but everyone else like, 
I think they were teachers were kind of just more mainstream. They're a little weirded out by me. didn't know what to do with me. And in college, all of a sudden, like I was like the it girl, like all the professors like, well, this girl's a little different. And they would ask me like, what do you think about this, Tracy? You know, and it gave me some confidence and I was paying for my own education. So I actually studied mm-hmm. and learned all the stuff I probably should have learned in high school. And I kind of got like a really high GPA and I got myself on full scholarship to go to Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas, which was great. But at the same time, I didn't fit in with, I was a really affluent. It's like where George Bush lives now, mm. Highland Park, all the mansions and the hoity toity stuff. There's great people there for sure, but I just didn't really fit into that world. So already like, you know, art major, already, already kind of a little different emotional creative kid. And then like, I'm just feeling like the girl on the wrong side of the tracks, not even relating to some of the kids in the art school. There was a couple like me. Yeah, but basically, I, uh, to, in a nutshell, I fell in love with this guy in, in art school and projected all this stuff on him. And it was just like years of anger. I had a lot of anger and resentment towards men. So I was projecting all sorts of stuff and just, I was just getting hit on by people and it was making me even angrier, you know, just seeing some of the sexism at that time. I spent about a year and a half, just long story short, in a schizophrenic state. And totally went off the deep end. Somehow I maintained, though. I didn't have to work at this time. I was on scholarship. So there was time and space. But also looking back, it was, in retrospect, a time to release whatever was inside. or Because it was apparent there's some... I think even some of my classmates knew, like, oh, there's something a little strange going on here. Without going into, like, what I was doing in this state, because that's a whole long other story, and it's kind of a shamanic journey, and I'd like to keep some of that private. Yeah. You know, uh, I went to a friend's house. Uh, you know, I, I did. I carried a lot of emotional pain, and there's this shamanic thing where your your psyche breaks and regenerates, and I think that's what happens. And at the same time, I released something, possibly. Went to a friend's house, hung out. She dropped me off at home. All of a sudden I felt, I was sober, you know, I felt, but I felt really high. I hadn't done any drugs. I hadn't smoked any pot. She dropped me off at home and she kind of knew something was going on. She's like, it's okay. I understand. I was, I felt like I was floating. I stepped out of the car, went up to my room and I cried uncontrollably, like so uncontrollably that my body literally like flung from one side of the room to the other and was just weeping and weeping. Then at some point I was just exhausted. I laid down on the bed and I was like, okay, I'm going to die. I felt like I was, I was going to die. And this is the unexplainable stuff that happened, the flinging of the body and um, laying down on the bed. And it felt like all my life force was streaming out of my eyes. And I was just thinking, I'm dying. And it went to, I don't even remember really where I went to, but wherever I went to, I felt like some things were revealed and I knew all this stuff. And I, you know, I wasn't in my body anymore. And at some point, like, it felt like the way that all my life force entered, left my body, it went back in the same way and came back in through my eyes. And I just woke up. I was like, whoa, you know, like, Mm-hmm. I felt like ecstasy after that, like just absolute ecstasy. Like I had saved some part of the world and didn't even realize I was probably just saving myself. And I was given the opportunity to release whatever I think got attached to me. Cause there's, I don't want to go into it, but there's, it was obvious something was going on, you yeah. know, with like the fits of rage and the pain and 
Yeah. And then I remember just feeling ecstatic and ecstasy and high. And the next day I just felt like I had been hung on a cross. You know, my whole body was in pain and I couldn't, I just thought I was crazy. And I actually didn't really do drugs. I smoked a little herb and drank a little in college, but I didn't really do heavy drugs until after that. Cause I just felt crazy. I was in Dallas. There's no metaphysical people around to talk to mm-hmm. about this stuff. So I just felt like I was off my rocker. I did drugs, was partying on the scene. I didn't even have to buy my drugs. Everyone just gave it to me, and I would just come hang out. And I just had to eventually leave Dallas. I left Dallas, started doing yoga and cleaning up my act here in Tucson, Arizona. And some guy came up to me and said he was a shaman and wanted to teach me. And then I was able to relate my story to him. I was like, oh, you're not crazy. This is, you know, a journey that you went through, and it's normal, and this is like... Medical doctors were caught schizophrenia, but you know you were you were doing some deep inward work, and yeah. So yeah, wonderful. That's in a nutshell. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it actually reminds me we had an artist who visited U of A, mm-hmm. and she recreated. Uh, it wouldn't be shaman because it's she's Korean, but there was a um, exorcism mm-hmm. that was done for her brother. Yeah. And he was schizophrenic and they did an exorcism and he's not schizophrenic anymore. Right. And so she did, mm. she recreates the ritual as an artistic performance piece. Good for and her. performs it because yeah. she felt it was one of the most powerful things that happened in her life. Her 26 year old schizophrenic brother yeah. had an exorcism and was not schizophrenic anymore. And Aww. she said, you know, Doctors would have, you know, they don't have an explanation for what happened to her brother. Right. Yeah, there is. Yeah, exactly. And I wonder about that sometimes when somebody's like, I hear voices, you know, and it's Uh like, well, are there, are there voices they're hearing? Mm -hmm. Is this something external to them? And modern science would say, no, it's again, that duality of like, both that there is schizophrenia and that medication helps. And I also have some part of me that believes that it could be some, they could be hearing action. Maybe they're tuned into something we're just not tuned into. So different, there's different layers of the world existing on different planes and some people are in other phases and some people are functioning. Yeah. Yeah, But she has her brother back. That's amazing. Yeah. She's making people aware through art of, you know, of her experience and you have yourself back. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time putting my head. It's taken about 10 years to process that experience fully and put my head together and and feel like for a long time, I just attracted drug addicts and people that were, you know, ghostly haunted, you know, even after I was sober, because that's kind of like my path. So it's been a long time of putting my head back together. Lots of yoga, locked myself in the ashram for two years to get rid of like the drug vibe of drug people just coming up to me even though I wasn't doing drugs it's been a long process of just clearing my energy out and getting my head back together and feeling confident enough to you know share the story today and and it leads back to your full moon story like what is real what is not real did I have a mystical experience did I get rid of an entity was I possessed or wow the mind's really powerful did I create all that just because I was young and like you know, really emotional and not as rational and was, you know, deep into mysticism. And did I just go off in the deep head? Did my head create all that? But it doesn't matter which one's true. Right. Another thing that I really related to in there was when I was 13, my friends and I, maybe even 15, 
my friends and I got interested in using the Ouija board. Oh gosh, right? yeah. And we we got together a few times and I just felt it was unsafe. And then it was exasperated by two of my friends decided to take it home and and use it more often. Mm-hmm. And they told me there was some entity that was asking for me repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And I felt one of two things. This is, again, the dualistic thing. One, if it's true that there's some weird entity that wants me, then I'm freaked out and I don't like that. I don't. I didn't feel like a good thing. Two... If it's simply that my friends want some nasty thing to be out to get me and it's their subconscious that's controlling the Ouija board, mm-hmm. I also don't like that. I'm glad <laughs> so, you made that choice. So to... neither one feels yeah. comfortable to me. So we uh-huh. actually took it down to the beach and did a ceremony and burned the Ouija board. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, don't play with the Ouija board kids. <laughs> Just don't go there. Just don't do it. It's not but, worth it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very t- typical age to be interested in an occultish things. Right. And then another thing in your story was uh, medication. Mm -hmm. And this comes up a lot in the depression session. We're actually going to have a meetup group called to medicate or not to medicate. That is the question. Yeah. We're doing that on October 11th. If anybody's interested in coming to the meetup group, you can Mm -hmm. find it on meetup.com under the depression session Tucson. And I think that's a very strong topic yeah, I um I really feel well when I turned things around after my experience in my mid twenties, which I feel like was a release of an entity that was kind of supernatural. Like, why? How, how do you explain this kind of thing? But um, why don't they offer yoga to like kids in school instead of choosing medication in my mid twenties? You know, that's what I did. I I quit doing drugs and started doing yoga and like meditation. And to me, that's produces the same effect. I mean, it's a little bit more work, but yeah, you don't want to, if if medication's helping people, all the more power to them. But I kind of also feel like they don't make meditation and yoga and like inward practices as accessible. I feel like if I had that when I was younger, or we could have like groups of kids that could get together within the school environment and talk about Things. Yeah, talk about things, you know, to, so we can all relate. I mean, years later, I connect with people on Facebook and, you know, they were going some, through some of the same things and we never even knew. We never yeah. like hung out in the same groups or even talked to each other. But after we've matured, you know, we were kind of like dealing with the same issues. Like, Why don't they do that in the schools? You know, I think that would be helpful. I think it was yesterday or the day before on NPR, they were talking to two psychiatrists talking about medication. Like medication really works for some people, but to just choose to medicate people rather than having a nice big conversation with the whole family and yeah. really seeing if there are other factors at play that could be adjusted, which could be doing yoga, that there could be alternative things. Or diet. Sometimes I wonder, like, my diet growing up was crap. You know, I grew up on like Burger King and like bread and cheese and throwing some Twinkies in there, maybe some veggies here and there, pasta. Yeah. There were a lot of ramen noodles in my teen years. Uh, Because I was a latchkey kid too. Yeah, right. You can, you understand TV dinners. That was our era, era of time. Right. In those like 13 to like 16. Mm -hmm. You know, that was my diet. I know. I know. Sometimes I wonder if my moods would have been a little bit more stable if I had the diet I have now. And Yeah. But... I think that that it's a complex system of things that allow us to get through our teen years and our childhood and mm-hmm. come out with some solutions and ideas. And it seems like 
you went through the ringer in a bunch of different ways, mm-hmm. you know, like some really, cause I'm, I don't want to make light of the actual circumstances of like waking up with your, you know, your wrist slit. Yeah. There's a lot of pain, a lot of emotional pain I carried for many years. It's the way of the wounded healer, you know, and how we all, we're all healers and can like do our self work and self heal. And then we could step out of that and help other people. So that is a perfect way to end the show. Thanks so much for being on the depression session. Yeah. Thank you, Laura. I want to mention again, that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septahelix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at the Depression Session Podcast. Thank you. You're listening to KTDTLP Tucson, Downtown Radio 99.1 FM.